0: The amazing Millie Formby, pronouns she, her, or they, them, is a zoologist, pilot, and illustrator on a science communication mission to raise awareness for the plight of migratory shorebirds on the East Asian Australasian flyway. And how is she doing this? Would you believe it, even if we shared? Millie has assisted with the build and then learnt to fly her own microlite, in order to circumnavigate the Australian continent and follow the story of shorebirds and their long-distance migration flights. As she flies through the air from town to town, Millie shares the amazing feats of shorebirds and why they need us to pay attention to them. That's right. There's no way of putting into words just how incredibly dedicated and inspiring Millie is. From her vision to the manifestation of the Wing Threads project she has created. We caught up with Millie in June 2022 as she began her journey in southwestern Australia to hear her speak about the project. Welcome, Millie. Hello, and welcome to It's a Wildlife podcast and blog sharing the great work being done for wildlife conservation worldwide and solving problems for ecologists by ecologists. If you're a fellow wildlifer, whether you're just starting out or you've been about the traps for a while, tune in and let's chat. You're in the right place.
1: So my name is Millie Formby and I'm a zoologist and I'm also a pilot and an illustrator and uh, uh, I'm on a bit of a science communication mission for migratory shorebirds and uh, I'm currently undertaking an adventure flying a microlight around Australia to share how amazing and awesome they are uh, through my new children's book, A Shorebird Flying Adventure.
0: Such an incredible story. I want to take it right back to the beginning. How did you get interested in the first place in wildlife and
1: why shorebirds? Well, I've always loved birds since I was a kid. That's always been something I've been into. Uh, I grew up in Gippsland in Victoria and I can remember having gang gang cockatoos come to our front yard and they were eating all the pine cones in our pencil pines in the front yard and mum got a copy of what bird is that and we sat down and identified the gang gang cockatoos and I just thought that was the best thing ever and that I could tell which one was male and which one was female. Like it was really cool. I think that really started my bird nerding <laughs> and probably a bit later on uh, when I started doing my zoology degree I, I became more into the birding and started going out with friends and volunteering doing bird banding and started bird banding with the Victorian waiter studies group going out and banding and flagging shorebirds and that's really where my shorebird career started and that was almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. And why migratory shorebirds to answer that question as well? Well, they do such epic migrations. These birds are flying all the way from Australia to the Arctic and back every year to breed up in Siberia. The round trip of around 25,000 kilometers. And it's just mind blowing uh, that, you know, these birds live to be well over 20 years old. And to think that by the time they're you know 20 they've flown the distance to the earth to the moon just on migration is pretty phenomenal
0: that really is phenomenal and I guess for anyone listening who's ever emailed Millie you'll see on the bottom of your email a little p.s stints are rad. Are stints in particular a little favourite or <laughs> what's going on there?
1: Yeah so the redneck stint in particular is the smallest shorebird that comes to Australia and they only weigh as much as a Tim Tam which is a chocolate biscuit here in Australia if anyone's listening overseas. is about 20 grams and these little birds can fly 5,000 kilometers in one go and I just think they're cute and adorable and amazing yeah <laughs> they are totally red. I think everyone should know that stints are red. <laughs> and that
0: stints exist yeah. because for the most part I think the same annual migration by the shorebirds is not just underrated but completely unknown
1: mm, yeah and that's really one of the big things I came to realise too working in shorebird conservation was that not many people even know about shorebirds let alone their amazing migratory feats and then to learn that a lot of the species that come to Australia there's 37 migratory shorebird species here in Australia uh, a lot of them are endangered or critically endangered or their populations are at least in decline so it's really important to make people aware of them so that we can uh, look after their habitats that they rely on.
0: Absolutely, but there's people like you who are actively working to make a difference. Now, when you introduced yourself earlier, you said you are on a science communication mission. Can you talk us about that? How you're combining your passions to do something truly amazing for shorebirds?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, in my experience in um, shorebird conservation is that it's it's really difficult to get the word out there outside of People who are already into birds. So I was hit with this idea <laughs> about six years ago now that I could learn to fly a microlight and follow the shorebirds on migration from Australia to Siberia. And so I started learning how to fly, and it was really uh, using that adventure angle as the hook to get people in. And uh, the first step to reaching Siberia is to fly around Australia, which is what I'm currently doing. And I really feel environmental messaging in general is often very problem focused and can feel a bit doom and gloom in terms of messaging. And I think it's really important to bring balance to that story. It's important to have a vision of what we do want, a change that we do want to see. And it's very difficult to make those changes without examples being shown of how we're doing it. So one of the things I want to do with this project is, as I'm travelling around, is visit and talk to people who are on the ground, you know, making a difference and tell those stories because uh, it's that old saying, you know, you can't be what you can't see. It's really important to see that uh, people are, out there making a difference and that change can happen and show people what that looks like rather than just be focused on the problem all of the time
0: 100 and so when you're working in this public awareness space what's your mission
1: yeah so it's really about connecting people with their local wetlands and the shorebirds themselves are a really wonderful doorway to do that uh, shorebirds Their migration, you know, is through the East Asian Australasian flyway. That's the route that they follow up to Siberia. It's the biggest flyway in the world and it encompasses 23 countries and three continents and over half of the world's population, about four and a half billion people live in that flyway. And the wetlands in that flyway are like a chain with links in it with the birds stopping at each wetland along the way to rest and refuel. So when you bring local wetlands in a community into that context it really highlights how looking after our local wetlands uh, has an impact on an international scale and also, you can talk about how wetlands are important for us as people as well because they provide us with all sorts of ecosystem services like cleaning pollutants out of the water and protecting the coastline from storms and they provide a living for people and we we rely on wetlands for our food supply and recreation and things like that as well. So the shorebirds are a nice doorway into that and showing people how we're part of nature we're not actually separate to it and I think that connection is really because there is a a disconnect that seems to be prevalent out there that's very much uh, the underlying motivation for um, a lot of what I do
0: and I love that you have seen the connection there between over half of the world's population living within this flyway and so the importance of protecting this wetland for the people and for the shorebirds is Absolutely. Through advocacy.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's really about uh, if you can connect people with the birds and the wetlands that they rely on, then it really helps to foster environmental stewardship. You can't really care about what you don't know about.
0: Oh, 100%.
1: And so you are
0: on route with the shorebirds <laughs> as we speak.
1: Yep. The flight around Australia, it's called Wing Threads Flight Around Oz. And I took off last Friday from a, the place where I learned to fly called Whitecomb Farm. It's about 200 k's east of Perth. And my first stop was Bunbury, which is about a two hour drive south of Perth. And uh, yeah, so I've been driving around and doing school visits over the last few days as part of the project and um yeah sharing my book the shorebird flying adventure has been pretty pretty crazy
0: that's amazing.
1: How are you feeling at the moment? I feel really good. It's It's been really exciting. I, I think at the moment I'm still navigating how it all works and what it's all going to look like because I've never done anything like this before. So some of it is just, um excuse the pun, flying by the seat of my pants and figuring stuff out as I go. But that's just been <laughs> the nature of the project from the start.
0: Now this is just crazy stuff because... I swear before I met you, I never thought that anyone could or would do something like this. Your journey is completely unique.
1: Would you be able to talk us through, I guess, your flight path? Well, I'll start with a bit of my early career stuff. So before I was a scientist, I did a visual arts degree at uni. So my background is in tapestry, believe it or not. And um, I worked as a tapestry weaver for seven and a half years at the Australian Tapestry Workshop in South Melbourne. And uh, during that time, I got a shoulder injury and I went, I can't do this full-time as a career (laughs) then the only other thing I ever wanted to do was work with animals so I decided to go back to uni and do my bachelor of science and majored in zoology at Melbourne uni when I finished my master's in animal behavior there I um moved over to Perth I got a job at the University of WA as a technician there and uh, during that time, I came up with this idea that I could learn to follow the shorebirds on migration and uh, began learning to fly microlite. So I've been a pilot now for five years. I'm a recreational pilot. I also fly fixed-wing aircraft. So I had to learn how to fly a little Cessna as well to get a controlled airspace endorsement in the microlite. And, yeah, that's kind of brought me here to where I am now. It's been a... <laughs> Um, I left my job at the university back in 2018 and moved to Newcastle on the East Coast to work with the company who make the microlights and I got to help build my aircraft. So I ran a crowdfunding campaign back then and managed to get sponsorship to get my own plane. There's been a lot involved in there.
0: (laughs) An incredible story. Can you talk us through the name Wing Threads? How did that come about and what's the significance of that?
1: So I chose Wing Threads because shorebird migration is uh, really like a thread that connects us to billions of people all throughout the East Asian Australasian flyway what I was talking about before with being like a chain and then the wing of the microlight is a hang glider wing and it's stitched with thread so it's a reference to that as well.
0: Absolutely incredible and so on this mission you'll be moving around Australia and then will you start to fly back to I guess Siberia where the birds breed.
1: Yeah, so the plan is to circumnavigate Australia to start with. And it's really a test of my piloting skills. I'd love to fly all the way to the Arctic one day. That's the big dream. But, you know, obviously you need to do these things one step at a time. So I'm just focusing on the Australian trip at this stage.
0: A hundred
1: percent. Originally, I thought I could try and do a lap of Australia in the time that it takes the shorebirds to fly to the Arctic and back, which is about six months. But with things turning out the way they have, I've started a bit late. So the shorebirds leave around March, April to go to the Arctic and I'm leaving in June. So it's a bit late. So the shorebirds aren't here in Australia at the moment. But the main thing about this project is that it's not a race and the microlight because it's such a lightweight aircraft can only fly when it's light winds and clear skies pretty much so it's a practice of patience and waiting for the right conditions to come up for when I can fly and letting you know nature dictate the speed of the project so the focus for me is really on that time I have in between the flights and the time I spend with the community and connecting with schools and all the rest of it to sh- spread the shorebird word.
0: I love that. Spreading the shorebird word.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: so, as you travel on your way, is there a way for people who aren't also up in the air to follow your adventures?
1: Absolutely. So, uh, I have been live streaming the flights on YouTube. So, people can subscribe to my YouTube channel and you'll get notified of when i'm about to do a live stream flight and you can view me flying in the microlight in real time along the coast of australia and uh, you can also follow me on facebook and instagram and i'm collaborating with birdlife australia on instagram too to do to, to wing threads wednesdays and every wednesday I'll do a new reel featuring a wetland uh, around Australia that I'm visiting that's an important shorebird site for their shorebird monitoring program. So we'll do a little tour of the wetland and (laughs) learn how to ID a shorebird species as well each week. Oh, my goodness.
0: That is so exciting. And we'll definitely provide links to all of Millie's social media channels down in the show notes. Yeah, awesome. This is a lot of work for one person. (laughs) You're absolutely amazing. Do you have a support team or anyone there to help you out along the way?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's very difficult to do anything like this just by yourself. I I do a a lot of it on my own, but I also have support from Remember the Wild, which is a a non-for-profit Nature Connection Charity from Victoria. So those guys help me out with media a bit, like doing media connections and media releases and things like that. Also with the filming. So they're going to be doing a documentary film as well about the trip. Yeah. So I do, I do get support, but most of it is just me. I'm pretty much a one-man band. It's amazing
0: what you can do when you're passionate about a subject and you just you're going for it. Could we take a little bit of a step back and talk about the book that you've written?
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so it's called A Shorebird Flying Adventure, and uh, it's published by CSIRO Publishing. And they commissioned me to do the book after they saw me give a talk about wing threads at the Australasian Ornithological Conference in 2019 because they wanted more female role models in STEM in their library catalogue. So, uh, my friend Jackie Karen is a children's book author. So I contacted her and I was like, Jackie, do you want to do this book together? And she was like, hell yeah. So (laughs) Jackie has authored the book and I've illustrated it. And it's the character Microlite Millie taking the reader on a journey through the East Asian Australasian flyway to learn why shorebirds are awesome. And there's all sorts of phenomenal, flabbergasting fun facts all throughout the book about shorebirds. And uh, they learn all about their migrations and the wetlands and how and why we should protect them. And it's aimed at mid-primary, so about 9 to 10-year-olds.
0: Oh, my gosh. So anyone with a child should definitely get their hands on one of these books,
1: not just because it's a beautiful
0: adventure but because it's happening right now. They could also follow along live. Exactly,
1: yeah. Children's book come to life. (laughs)
0: Because you're Millie the Microlite pilot kind of living the adventure of that storybook. Yeah,
1: it's totally weird. It's really weird being the character in a book. And drawing yourself, yeah, and then doing it. It's bizarre.
0: And so when we're talking about these flabbergasting fun facts about shorebirds, how do we find out about shorebirds?
1: Yeah, so some of the facts are things that we've found through shorebird banding and tagging. One of them is about E7, the bartel Godwit, who you may have heard of. She's very famous for setting the world record for the longest non-stop flight of any bird species. Back in 2007, researchers fitted her with a satellite Tag in New Zealand, and um, she wowed everybody by flying non-stop from Alaska all the way back to New Zealand across the Pacific Ocean. It's a twelve thousand kilometre flight over nine days without stopping. And what's really phenomenal about that is that these birds can't land on water so she's flying over the ocean she had nowhere to stop even if she wanted to so they're not eating or drinking on the way and they're able to take micro naps on the wing as well and they don't glide like a bird of prey they flap the entire way so it's pretty amazing stuff
0: that really is amazing and some of these birds they do have to stop so they're not like b7 Is that a big problem for them?
1: Yeah, so generally the smaller species will do shorter flights and stop more often. Uh, So they're not flying directly over the Pacific in one go. They'll go up the flyway and stop at wetlands throughout the flyway. And, yeah, as you said, it is a problem when you have things like wetlands being reclaimed for development or uh, agriculture and aquaculture and things like that. And habitat loss is one of the biggest contributing factors to why some of these populations are declining, particularly around the Yellow Sea in China and Korea, where uh, 65% of the mudflats in the Yellow Sea have been reclaimed in the last 30 years. And alongside that development, we've also seen up to 80% declines in species like eastern curlew and curlew sandpiper because those species rely a lot more heavily on the yellow sea than other shorebirds so yeah it really highlights the importance of uh, taking care of our wetland habitats and, and how doing so can have an impact on shorebird populations
0: absolutely are there other threats that affect them once they arrive in Australia
1: yeah so in Australia bird life identifies a lack of awareness as the number one problem here for shorebirds in Australia so disturbance is a really big problem for them And that's one of the things I'm trying to highlight uh, with doing the school visits is, you know, what can we do to minimise the disturbance to the birds when they're here? So habitat loss is also an issue here with um, industry and things like that. But the main thing is, you know, Aussies love to go to the beach for recreation. And um, that's where the birds are. So um, doing things like Uh, keeping your dog on a leash when when you're at the beach so they don't chase the birds or um, not driving on the beach too or if you are driving on the beach keeping your distance Uh, if you're in a boat or fishing or anything like that and also um, just keeping the beach clean you know picking up uh, any rubbish you have and fishing hooks and things like that because the birds spend six months of the year here in Australia and to the time they need to spend eating and sleeping, eating and roosting <laughs> so that they can do these big migrations. So if they're constantly getting disturbed and flying up doing alarm uh, flights, they're spending energy on doing that instead of uh, fattening up to do, do their migration. It
0: seems so simple, doesn't it? But actually... When people are made aware, and this is exactly what this project is about, to help the shorebirds together.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: that is amazing. So wonderful that your project is, I guess, happening because without it, probably a lot of people still wouldn't hear the plight of the shorebirds.
1: Yeah, I think so. And that's the whole idea, you know, getting the aviation side of things into it, doing what shorebirds do best, which is flying, you know, getting people's attention and um, doing it in a way as well that's fun and exciting. It doesn't always have to be a doom and gloom story. And the other message I want to get out there is that small things make a difference it does matter doing those small grassroots actions have an impact especially when a lot of people do small things together.
0: Yeah I think that is so powerful so often we get lost in the big picture as you said the doom and gloom of environmental issues worldwide and yet when you break it down, there's something that we can do every single day to make the world a better place for animals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think issues like threatened species extinction, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed by an issue like that, same as climate change, because it's presented on that global scale. But the only way anything ever makes an impact is at a, a local scale in your backyard, basically. And the wetlands in your backyard are part of a much bigger global ecosystem. When we care for and look after our own little patch, it, it contributes to something much bigger.
0: That is so true. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear your amazing story and to see where this adventure really takes you. I've never heard of anything quite like your Wing Threads project.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> if people had other, I guess, wacky and wonderful ideas that they We're thinking about they're not sure but maybe what would your advice be for
1: starting out uh just take the first step it's really easy to get overwhelmed by having a really big idea and think too big it's the same thing with like I'm having a a global issue like we're talking about you've got to chunk it down and say okay if I was like for me it was all right if I was going to do this thing what would I need to do And one of the things is, well, I'm going to have to learn how to fly. Well, I've never flown a plane before. I should probably go and see if I like flying. You know, finding something that's concrete and tangible that you can do that is taking a step towards what you want, regardless of how small it is. And don't give yourself a time limit. I thought that I would be flying around Australia back in 2019. That's three years ago things didn't work out that way you can probably expect that it's going to take you much longer than what you thought <laughs> that's the other thing so don't let the amount of time it's going to take put you off just find one thing that you can do that is concrete and tangible that would be taking you towards towards your dream and do that
0: i love that advice not just in the case of flying a microlight around australia to protect shorebirds but just for everything, <laughs> find something that you can do today and take a step toward getting you there.
1: Yeah, exactly. I call it following the lights because, I mean, I had no idea how I was going to do a project like this. I mean, how, how do you get a project like this off the ground? I had no idea, but I could see that, well, if I wanted to do it, there's this one thing I could do. And then you do that and then you find some other step is revealed after you start taking the first step and that's what I call following the lights it's like walking into the dark but every time you take steps into the dark more lights reveal themselves ahead on the path and you just have to trust that that's going to keep happening
0: 100 percent. so Millie is flying around Australia to protect threatened shorebirds you can follow her adventures on YouTube Instagram and Facebook Millie thank you so much for joining us today Thank you for joining us for another episode of It's a Wildlife. If you've been inspired by our discussion or have something to share, please get in touch. Leave us a review or share the love with your network. We'll chat soon.